0: Hey, folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, uh, we're going to talk about the Lions and the training camp and the Super Bowl that they're going to win in January, apparently. You've not been out there yet to predict that, but I'm sure you will. But before we do that, uh, we have some breaking news for this podcast. I mean, you know, when does that ever happen, right? And, uh, of course, it's going to be about Jim Harbaugh because here we have the Lions of the most anticipated season in 30 years and uh, Jim Harbaugh is going to usurp that, at least for our podcast this week, because that's how it goes with this guy, with this school. It's just how it is. Tony, Tony Garcia, who covers the Michigan us for the Detroit Free Press, is in to talk about what's happening and uh, what may happen. And uh, all, all I know is that, probably the reports you know, Carl, is that Harbaugh is in negotiation with his school and the NCAA about a potential four-game suspension to start the season. And uh, let's just let Tony, if you don't, if it's okay with you, Carlos, so let's let Tony take it away. What's uh, what's happening, Tony? What's the latest? Well, first of all, good to see you guys, and uh, you set the table well. And
1: I would say not only is it uh, the Lions' most anticipated season in 30 years, and there have been many anticipated Michigan football seasons, I would put this at the top. Um, Certainly. I was just as this Jim Har- Harbaugh news broke, I was working on a five things story, five sort of storylines to watch as I'm headed down. Once I'm turned around, I was on my way to Indianapolis to go to Big Ten Media Day when I got the call from you guys to jump on this podcast. So I turned back around to head home. And so we're, we are that close to talking to him. And I was writing the story about all the things and all the storylines and all the positivity that Michigan football and all the momentum they had. Certainly the, the national championship if not the number one favorite, number two. And I don't know if this changes that. We'll, we'll get to that. But yeah, as you said, uh, Jim Harbaugh, it looks like he will be gone for the first four games of the 2023 season. Yahoo first reported it. Uh, I've, I've since had multiple people confirm to me that is the expectation. Same with offensive coordinator, Sharon Moore, and same with tight ends coach, Grant Newsom. Uh, so this all started... With a number of level two investigations uh, about two and a half years ago, back in twenty one, that were in the grand scheme of things relatively mundane, uh, recruiting violations such as speaking to recruits uh, during COVID nineteen dead periods and having offensive analysts on on the fields coaching and on field duties as opposed to as opposed to coaches coaches instead of analysts who are supposed to be off field coaches who are watching workouts via Zoom. So all breaking the rules, all tsk-tsk things you should not do, certainly. Uh, but these are level two violations uh, in NCAA hierarchy of things. And uh, those, the people who I've spoken with tell me, they believe Jim Harbaugh, all three of these gentlemen who are involved in this on Michigan side would have received one game suspensions for those violations. However, what put things over the edge is when the NCAA first uh, asked Jim Harbaugh about these these events and 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 certain things, such such as uh, th- this infamous burger and meal uh, at a at a restaurant that does not need to be named downtown Ann Arbor. There were receipts that were presented to the NCAA saying, "Look, this meal was purchased here." Jim Harbaugh, when he was asked about it, said he does not remember. Now, those who know Jim Harbaugh know he is very. I think the word is quirky. He's just kind of an odd dude. And so he was being, and the, I don't want to get too much into it, but the way I've, it's been presented to me and, and the way he has maintained is he does not remember this thing. He is not lying, but he does not remember that meal, that day, what have you. Whether that's true or whether that's not is not up to me, is not up to really any of us to decide. That was between the NCAA and Michigan. And that's what this, negotiation investigation uh, has been going on for the last couple of years about. And essentially it it has concluded that Harbaugh did mislead these investigators and they are now, I don't know if compromising is the right word, but now the result is it looks like Jim Harbaugh will be suspended for, for four games. Now, from what I've been told, Michigan has sent a, a letter saying as much, um, and requesting as much uh, from from the NCAA uh, committee of infractions who will then have thirty days to accept, reject, or 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 change the penalty. But from what I'm told, everybody's is, expe- is expecting Jim Harbaugh will be gone for the first four games of the season. So
2: you know whether it's uh whether it's sports or you know, Something that really matters, like uh, politics and presidential uh, shenanigans, like Richard Nixon could probably tell you, it's usually not the crime, it's the cover-up, right? And that's what the NCAA is angry about, is we're presenting you these facts, this proof that you did this, and you're in denial. Just like somebody taking a witness stand in front of a subcommittee, right? I do not recall. They lean over to their lawyer. I don't recall. Maybe that'll save them. But I can understand the NCAA's frustration with this, of you need to own up to this, And I think that's what we heard at the beginning of all of this, right, was these are going to be level two violations. It's a slap on the wrist, whatever, frivolous. Um, Who knows what Jeremy Harbaugh is thinking? Maybe he doesn't really remember. Maybe he thinks this is ticky-tack. Why are you guys coming down on us? But what does this do, Tony? I mean, beyond launching... You know, maybe the the Jay Harbaugh era, right? The first four games. So, what is what does this do for Michigan? I mean, a tailspin. First four games, they all seem pretty cakewalky. What do you think happens if he's not coaching on the sidelines? Who is taking over? What does this do to the start of that program on their march to an NCAA championship? So do you say that tongue-in-cheek? I'm not sure if this
1: derails that because of how the season sets up. Now, let's say this is 2024, where you have a Texas early on and a front-loaded Big Ten schedule. This this looks very different. Um, But Michigan, I mean, Jim Harbaugh, when we spoke with him uh, in in June, uh, he was lauding his staff and how prepared they are and how many guys they have ready who are already ready to be NCA Power Five head coaches. Now, Sharon Moore is certainly seen or perceived to be at the top of that list. And the expectation is he'll be gone week one as well. So uh, as far as names that I'm looking out for, it's either Jesse Minter, uh, the defensive coordinator, Mike Hart, running backs coach, or perhaps Jay Harbaugh, but Steve Klingscale even it is a very capable option. I would guess maybe one of those two defensive coordinators because they have two defensive guys. There's, it's just, it would just sort of split, split duties a a little easier. But I think, I think they are not too concerned, frankly, when you see uh, the the way the schedule lines up starting with East Carolina and then, and UNLV and
2: it's, it's just not a tough schedule. Now, I mean, let's be honest. Like you said, East Carolina, UNLV, then Bowling Green, Rutgers, all at home. Can a, can a semi-competent Tony Garcia, beat these teams as head coach of Michigan? I mean, is that, is that, is that crazy to think? Or, uh, I mean, come on. You need someone with a lot more capability than me. But no, it is
1: It is not a difficult non-conference schedule. And and to, and to get back to, to your original question of what does this do to Michigan? I could see a way in which it galvanizes them, right? Uh, now, these days, I mean, this is all t- 2021 early NIL dealings. I mean, if you think about, and, and this is not to excuse it. I mean, Jim Harbaugh got. I'm not trying to accuse nor deny, and and so maybe the word is not correct. It's hard when you're reacting immediately on a podcast, right? As opposed to having a few moments to think about the right word to write. But caught, right? He got he got caught. He got caught up in this situation, and so in in the in the landscape of college football, it all it all looks very different. And so I don't think this affects Michigan all that much long-term as far as recruits, as far as, oh, you're playing SEC, like money ball and, or, or dirty ball. Now, where this does hurt Michigan is where Michigan has always liked to have the feather in its cap of the, the moral superiority, right? And Jim Harbaugh, he t- I think, I believe it was our own Reiner Saban who asked him the question about, these, about this investigation many months ago. And when when we when we spoke to him in the winter and about what was going on and just I mean we we've seen a number of things with this program right Matt Weiss fired for the investigations you got Shemmy Shembeckler and uh, the, his hiring and 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 quick dismissal on and that's on the heels of situations last year with Donovan Edwards with Mozzie Smith there have been a number of headlines that are derailing the momentum and Jim Harbaugh said look if you compare us to perfect we're going to come up short but if you compare us to others you, it doesn't get much better. Those words don't ring a bit more hollow today because there are not that many coaches receiving four game suspensions. There just aren't. And so how Michigan responds, I mean, they are so incredibly talented that it, it, they're going to be four <laughs> and they will certainly be four and O still that's not changing. I wonder any, I I would not see any riff in in the locker room. Now it's been a long, it's been a long time since we've got to see all these guys right now. I've caught up with a few of them individually here and there throughout the summer, but in a full team setting, we're, we're, we're many months removed, but that locker room last we spoke to
2: them quite strong. And I think this is more embarrassing than anything. I can see in this podcast already, you know, if we just throw, you know, Michigan's moral superiority in the headline or something, we're going to get a lot more Michigan State fans listening to this podcast because, you know, Michigan has a big target on its back, right? I mean, the Block M, the program, everything, and Harbaugh's specifically speaking to that, right? We, we look better than a lot of programs. Do they lose the high ground, the moral, the, the moral high ground when this happens?
1: That's a tough question. Well, A, that's saying, do you have the moral high ground to begin with? <laughs> which I which I guess is a separate question. And that's not a knock one way or the other. That's just its own question. I don't think these infractions these infractions are not a big deal. So if you think you had, if if you did have that moral high ground to begin with, then maybe no, because really at the end of the day, what this comes down to is yes, breaking some rules, but this is not a dollar bill self situation where you hear about hundreds of thousands of dollars in in bags and meetups and all the crazy stories this is $30 this is a burger this is a coach monitoring a workout right and again this is not excusing it but this is not like the end of the world and Jim Harbaugh maintains he is still maintaining to this day he did not lie so no he's not he's not he did not get caught which is why caught was the wrong word he got caught up or stuck in this kerfuffle. That's how he sees it. He's just, he's just in it. Um, and whether that's true or not is for every individual to decide. But I, I don't see this derailing Michigan or, or, and as far as their moral superiority, I don't think, whatever side you stood on before this, I don't think you're on the
0: other side of it after. I think you're still there. No, nothing's going to change at all. It's in the moral superiority. Who thinks that? Michigan alums, although not all alums, right? The fan base, in particular, to some degree, that's why they don't make any noise at the stadium. I mean, that's the joke, right? The khakis—they're quiet. And they seem to, Mister side, Come on. All, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, the student section does, but the um, yeah, I don't know what that in terms of that and how people see the university. The the people that this isn't going to make anybody think, oh, wow, I thought they were the most moral university in the country, who was not a Michigan person. I, mean, I don't know that those people were out there to begin with, but they're not going to all of a sudden say, oh, my God, they're they're uh, they lost the high ground. Well, what does that even mean? Right? But what is the is semantics?
2: Is this not red meat for Ohio State and Michigan State? Just to come after. I mean, I, I mean, you know, public enemy number ones there, Harbaugh. I mean, for those two schools, and just about every other Big Ten school, pretty much, you know, so to come out, to, to, to be able to say, and you're right, Tony, it's hard to pronounce judgment. We don't know what Harbaugh really thought, what he really remembered, whatever. But it's going to read outside of Ann Arbor, outside of Schembeck. It's going to read that Michigan either did something wrong. It's mostly going to read as a cover up that they tried. Harbaugh really tried to stiff arm the NCAA investigators and wasn't completely truthful. Because he thought, you know, hey, I'm Jim Harbaugh, this is Michigan, you know, come at me, you know, whatever. And getting suspended for four games, you know, I mean, that, that's that's a pretty big slap on the wrist. It's not even more than a slap on the oh, wrist. So this is going to give other teams license to say Michigan isn't exactly, and as you listed, all the issues that they've had recently, you know, I, I mean, that, that, gives, that gives them a lot of ammunition to say Michigan is not really the Michigan they thought they were, right? I know I, I think you're absolutely right however what does that
1: matter I think, I think I think that's the other the, actual question because anybody can say that and let's say for sake of argument that it's true you still have to win on the field and if Michigan goes 12 and 0 again in the regular season Ohio State and Michigan State can say oh you think you're all high and mighty but really you're scummy your coach is getting suspended and Michigan is is back in India again, right? So all that's going to matter, as it always does, is what happens on the field.
2: And it's, it's right. as simple as that. Let me ask you this, though. Let me ask you this. Here's here's where it does matter, not on the field, but in living rooms, when they're recruiting. And when you're saying, when you're, tell, when, when you're fighting for that kid who's either going to go to Michigan or Ohio State, and you tell their parents, you want to go play for a coach who's lying about stuff? If he's lying to the NCAA, Maybe he's going to lie to your kid. Maybe he's going to lie to your parents about what's being guaranteed about whatever. Do you want to go play for that coach or do you want to go play for our coach who's never been suspended by the NCAA, who's never been investigated? We've never, you know, I mean, that that could future ramifications possibly, right? There's no
1: chance that Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State coaches are not saying exactly that. Of course they are, or, or now they're about to, right? And the other thing I was going to say is the... Who are the other programs recruiting at five star? Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, Georgia, yeah. Penn State. They're all happy to get get a burger for someone or or do the same thing. Right, or a lot or, more. Right, <laughs> wouldn't be the first time. Texas A I and mean, I mean, I mean, yeah, that, that,
0: that that's they're trying to get into that that space. And by comparison, yeah, maybe they lose a little bit moral high ground. Maybe Michigan State fans can get in the comment sections of all the all, all the organizations that cover them and and duke it out with some fresh material. But beyond that, yeah, no, they're they're getting into a different space. It's a big boy space. And uh now you I know d- what I mean?
1: although I do think I should make it clear, just personally, I think that it probably should. Jim Harbaugh has for a long time used this, this high ground, this all throughout last year, if you remember the events of last year and everything that transpired and, and the way he, he talked about doing things right.
0: This is He not, went after this, Ohio State, Tony, didn't he? Remember, he got into it with Ryan Day. That's,
1: that's what led to the work and hang 100 on him. He got, he got into it with Ohio State, with Penn State, and Michigan State. Now, of course, that's the nature of the business, and all coaches uh, get into it w- w- with one another. But, but, but specifically, but specifically,
0: wait, and- specifically because of the way those schools were doing business, which he thought was immoral. On some level. He didn't use the word immoral, but that's what he was implying, right?
1: It it felt that way. And so if that was what he was implying, you don't get
0: to have it both ways now. Feels fair. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it does. It does. I don't know that that'll cost a recruits.
1: No, it won't. I mean, why would you not? Go if you're a recruit. Short of, I mean, I still maintain. If you're a wide receiver, I don't know why you would go to Michigan. But short of being a wide receiver, <laughs> I don't know true. why you, I don't know why you wouldn't go to Michigan, right? If you're, if you're a quarterback, lineman, I mean, they are they are turning out top tier talent all over the field. They're getting five stars. They're winning. It's a very prestigious. This is not going to be a reason to to not do that.
0: Now, no, if you weren't like if you weren't going to go there, you weren't going to go there. But it's I not get more street cred. He might he might get more credibility <laughs> oh my <laughs> no no number even... number one recruiting class coming soon <laughs> well, they, that, uh, not they're not far off right now <laughs> yeah you, you know what I mean I mean but for for years this fan base is like get in there and duke it out with Alabama <laughs> Clemson, well Clemson it was for a while right and, and <laughs> Ohio State obviously Isn't what there you wish for? yeah exactly exactly and they're doing that nal is really what leveled this to some degree, it made, it made this possible for them to get in and spend yeah. money without having to do it under the table.
1: Yeah, because a lot a lot of, I would say a lot of Big Ten schools, I mean, Michigan never seen, uh, Fab Five notwithstanding, I mean, Michigan, certainly Harbaugh has always, I mean, Beeline, all of the recent very successful programs have always seemed to be very clean, right? And so especially when you compare it to fill in the blank from another conference. Kansas. Carlos, your turn. <laughs> <laughs> we go back and forth, Miami, right? Texas A and M.
0: No, it's just, it's just. We'll it's, wait, it's, MSU, just well you. We were, I was, I was on an earlier podcast with another colleague of ours, Mike elwick before we recorded this, and we were kind of joking about what what would happen if this were Nick Saban, right? He, he'd get a raise. I mean, <laughs> that was that's the joke. right? I mean, right? It's, it's long, been the joke right? is it's
1: true. This wouldn't. This would not be front new. I mean, I guess because Nick this Saban suspension. would be getting this because the, because of the results of it, right? But none of this back, background talk about oh, what does it matter? Who cares? Like if you're there, who cares? Here, it is, it is its own discussion, and I think it, it merits
0: discussion. But, it does, yeah. which is why folks who love college football in the south think we're all a bunch of hypocrites up here. Why is that? Because they're, uh, you know, you know what the saying is down there, right? Vince Ellis used to work for the Free Press. He'll tell you he grew up in uh, outside of Tuscaloosa. If you're not cheating, you're not trying, right? You're not doing your job. You just uh, don't care, right? And <laughs> besides, yeah, there, I think it was, yeah, there was a wink, wink understanding that, you know, hey, these guys are making a lot of money for the school. We need to pay them anyway. So that's how they justified it, right? That they were being exploited. And we're going to slip and cast them cash under the table, and Congress finally steps in, and we. We end up with the uh, the threat, and we get the NIL. But still, I don't know; it's all a mess. Why do we even have college sports, Tony? That's wow. the that's the real question. That's oh, not Lord. why I came on oh, this Lord. podcast.
1: That is not why I came on this podcast. No, Tony, <laughs> college
0: Tony. sports, Tony. Now, yeah, we're the only ones that do it. <sighs>
2: it's well, you know what? The one thing about this, and I I, like I I totally understand. I I I appreciate. I understand it. I accept. The whole, if you're going to play with the big boys, like Sean said, you're going to have to get your hands dirty. If you want to be a consistent team, vying for a title every year, it's going to be so hard, right, to be the choir boy. However, I can't think of another program that, not a program, but a university that builds itself as a paragon of academic achievement and uh, an, an academic institution the way that Michigan is. You know, I mean, maybe Texas, kind of, possibly.
0: Um, uh, possibly. I, went to Texas. I went to Texas, Carlos. No, it's not the same. By the way, it's, to your point, it's in their fight song.
2: Leaders in the best. and
0: That's right. how they
2: refer to themselves. Right. So that's the differences. Let's be honest. And what's the whole point? To, to Sean's question, what's the point of college athletics to promote the university, to promote enrollment, to promote endowment, to promote... Michigan, I think, just had a situation with one of their satellite campuses where I think their 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 president, I think at Flint, is leaving because of declining enrollment and graduation rates. That's what really matters. It's kind of a vehicle for getting students into the universities, right? To promote it, its profile, academics and sports are kind of kind of separate, but they kind of work hand in hand in some way. So it's important for the whole university, and I'm sure there are very powerful alums and donors at Michigan who don't like this, who don't like the look, because now we're suddenly on the same playing field as Alabama in not a good way. That, for Michigan, from my understanding,
1: from what I've heard, certainly what they care about the most about is certainly the optics of it. And really, this is mostly an, an exercise in optics because it was a victimless crime, right? And, and so, well, I guess unless you're another school who says, hey, our coaches would be co- coaching extra or more. And but, but I just want to push back a little bit, Carlos, against the point that say, saying eventually you have to get down and dirty, right? Like, I don't know that Michigan even saw this as doing that, right? And I don't think they are trying to, and I don't think they want to. And I mean, Board Manual, even with this NIL, right? They are continuing to hammer home We are, I I mean, I just did uh, Freep.com, it was a couple weeks ago, a a rather long story about how why it took Michigan a little longer to get NIL going, because it's all about alignment and the way and getting this new look of college athletics to align with institutional values, right? And this is certainly not, is not that. However, that is still important, is still extremely important to, to Michigan and I don't think that, and they're not deviating from that. They are full steam ahead, with at least from every publicly what what Ward Manuel said to us, what Jim Harbaugh has said to us, um, and and what what boosters or not boosters, excuse me, people on the board on the board of regents like Jordan Acker, who who I spoke to
0: for that story, said said exactly the same thing, and so. Sean? Yeah, it's the optics, Tony, right? I completely agree with you. I mean, think, of, think about it this way. Think about what uh, Rich Rodriguez, right? So yeah. he gets caught practicing more. And I know a lot of the fan base at the time loved to poo-poo that, but that was actually far more egregious than what's happened, than what's just happened. They were trying to gain a competitive advantage. I guess you could say they're trying to gain this with recruiting, but but they were literally making the players practice more than the NCAA, right? They were limited to 20 hours a week and they were doing it more and they were feeling pressure. And the reason that story broke is because the players didn't like it and they weren't happy. And they started talking to their parents and the parents started complaining to reporters. That's how it got out. It wasn't some, you know, that's, that all got lost and all that pushback. In any case, they didn't fire him. And, and They didn't fire managed- him for that at all. That That's one of the, to me is well, you're, you're, you're taking advantage and exploiting these kids and their kids. Maybe young adults, kids, whatever. They're in that gray area. And they didn't fire him at all until he went three and nine or whatever it was. They fired him because he was losing. Didn't we didn't we get to this earlier? It's it's all a, money <laughs> winning.
1: This and, and this is not a Michigan thing. This is every institution I mean, look at what Northwestern is going through right now, right? And even and, and the lengths they will go to to protect people, like Pat Fitzgerald, eligible, just name him by name. Even with losing because of what he has meant. And I'm not, I'm not at all comparing Jim Harbaugh to that. But I'm saying even at institutions where it is academics first and then athletics second, which everyone knows Northwestern is, that still happens. Think about the pressure and all the mounting. And it, the Pandora's box has been opened with the money. And it's why you ask the question, where is college athletics? What's going on? And so everyone if you're a fan or of, of this school or the rival school, is going to determine how bad and how
0: egregious what this this violation was. But to Carl's point about the, the front door, that's true. That's absolutely true. Michigan has a fairly decent percentage of out-of-state students, right? They pay a lot more in tuition. A lot of those students come from the East Coast where college football is not a thing. And if you talk to them, and I'm sure you know them, I'm sure you know them, Carl's, a lot of students come here from the East Coast because they want "quote the Ivy League experience" with football, and Michigan is the and used to be Notre Dame too, right? Those were the two schools in the in the country where you could where you could get that. So yeah, to your point about the front door, but college football was actually started because Teddy Roosevelt wanted to give testosterone fueled raging young men something to to do. And keep them out of trouble, but then they all started dying on the football field, so that that didn't work out so well, did it? But we're not here for a history lesson. (laughs) Unbelievable. Let's just stop college sports. Can we just do that?
1: I'm gonna go no because it's still (laughs) my it's still my job. (laughs) I'm
0: kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. Any last questions or thoughts, Carlos? Before we let this uh, fella get on the road, I just
2: want to thank Tony for uh, basically you know, coloring himself like Batman saying that, you know, he was Bruce Wayne going to the Manor. he saw the bat signal from our podcast and turned around and, <laughs> and found the, the the fastest or closest bat cave he could uh, to join us on the podcast. But it's, uh, it's very much appreciated, Tony. This is a, uh, this is fantastic stuff. And, and again, I'd also like to thank coach Harbaugh, who never, never lets us have a boring moment in sports. Uh, sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing, but it's always interesting. So uh, thank you, coach. When you needed twenty four more hours to make it down to Indy, it's not the best thing. <laughs> but
1: um but no, it's it's why it's why we're employed, right? And Absolutely. so it it, it it is what it is. And man, I cannot wait to see. I I was kind of not looking forward to going to Indy just because of how mundane it is. But yeah, exactly. I I just want to see what's gonna happen. With I mean, there's a lot of fireworks. I mean, we get this is the last year of this look at the Big Ten. Now I mean, I already had questions about the Michigan storylines those five questions we were working on now now those are all pushed so now you um,
0: got one question
2: now you got yeah, one question one one major yeah. question so, yeah. so yeah. Well, here. here's my one well, question for Tony is is there anybody who's looking forward to going down to Indy more than Ryan Day <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, well, well i know i know another colleague who likes St. Elmo's i won't name him by name i mean me, our, our our media friends but <laughs> Ryan, no right this they had there's chum in the water
0: Certainly. <laughs> he, he, he would be uh, – he, he's probably thinking just to keep his mouth shut for a while until he can beat them again, right? Cause yeah. that, he can't, can't, can diff-
2: he do it? Can he do it?
0: That's a different level of uh, expectation even there.
1: He's going to stay – yeah, he he's the first Ohio State coach
2: in what three decades since to John, lose, yeah.
0: since John Cooper, yeah. two in a row, yeah. Since can you he he avoid not, not sprinkling some, time 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 some time. of his
2: comments with listen? I don't want to lie to you guys, so I'm just going to tell you this. <laughs> I, I don't want to lie, don't make me a liar, but you know, I, to tell you the truth, what I really believe is that you know, just little, uh, right. little hidden things would be,
0: would just and, be I, delicious. and I still can't, And totally, you and I talked about this, I still can't believe this. Not that we want to rehash all this, but that team he had last year to look so bad, and then a month later, look like the best team, right. They should have beaten Georgia. They, they lose their stud receiver, and and the game changed. But yeah, that's what people are thinking in Columbus, right? They're not they're not worried about Jim Harbaugh. It might be fun on the talk radios for a while, but they're thinking about can this coach who had a team that was really in a lot of ways the best team in the country last year get punked at home? Yeah, can he find a way to beat Michigan? Yeah,
1: and that's and that is and that is what matters. And of course, all the headlines are going to continue to be about Jim Harbaugh, one of the three to five maybe top three, top two, not two, most famous coaches in college football after Saban. He's suspended. That's big time. But Michigan football is going to be 4-0, and and he will be back. And they are more loaded than ever. And, I, and it's going to come down
2: to Penn State and Ohio State, as it always did. By the way, just and, one last thing. I'm looking on the, as we speak right now, on the front page or the website of the Columbus Post-Dispatch, the Jim Harbaugh story is right, is in the number two position on their front page. So, and they'll probably be talking. It'll probably matter for a while, I would guess. Until November. It's fun.
0: It's fun for them. Yeah, not oh, so yeah. fun for Michigan fans, but it's fun for them. That's how this always goes, right? Yeah. Unless it's a serious, like, you know, when you have a Larry Nasser, then you don't have Michigan fans having fun with that. That's different. But when it's something like this, when it's just NCAA, you know, regulations and nobody cares about it anyway, yeah, people love to have fun with that. That's true. All right, my man. Well, thanks again. As Carlos pointed out, for turning around and driving two, three minutes back to your house, that was uh, 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 <laughs> exactly he made. That was a huge sacrifice, and, really- Um I know Carlos pointed out to me. He, Carlos made a drive across the country yesterday. I think it was. He said, "I don't know. I, I don't know where he was coming from. Idaho or something." He was tired because he had a long, long drive. But uh, <laughs> it was the last. You know how. You you know how it is with Carlos. I do. Well, I'm glad
1: that you're all safe and I yeah, not yeah. yeah no, no,
0: no. I was I was worried because he, he was driving through the desert with no water and it's 120 degrees. And, you know, and then he's in the mountains and there's snow. And yeah, you, you get word for your pals that way. In any case, thanks, man. Have fun in Indy. Say hello for us. And uh, this is, screw St. Elmo. St. Elmo's is fine. Go to Shapiro's Deli and get some pastrami or corned beef, yeah. whatever it is your whatever it is you like. You know, pastrami. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Well, there you go. I'm with it. Yeah, you're much All better right. off. Our our editor will thank you for that too. All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right. See you, man. We, uh, Carlos, can we take a break? Or are we done Please. with the podcast? Please. Or is that enough? Are we done?
2: Oh, uh, we promised that We promised the listener
0: lines. So we gotta we gotta move on to lines. All right. We'll come back with uh, a briefer segment on the lines uh, with more free press sports with Carlos and Sean. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, it's time to talk about the Lions as much as Jim Harbaugh is getting in our way because the one, the state from one championship team to state, another, Sean. The state deserves. I know. I know you've got you know a connection to Michigan now, and we'll we'll I'm sure talk about that over the course of the next few years. But the Lions are still a team of this region. And uh, we're they? not going to let Jim Harbaugh – we're not going to let Jim Harbaugh get in the way of that, right? <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I
2: Harbaugh, he's earned everything he has. You know, he has our undivided attention whenever something happens. He speaks. He doesn't speak. He gets in trouble. He gets a a, a job offer. Maybe he doesn't, whatever, raise. Uh, I love all things Jim Harbaugh. And I'm, I'm not a Michigan fan at all, but he – he uh, he earns what he has. He earns my uh, my undying uh, interest
0: and attention. So no hate on Jim Harbaugh for all that. No, no, we're not we're not hating him at all. It's just the, the tendency to do that. All right. The Lions started their training camp. Have you been out
2: there? I will be out there shortly. I was on vacation. I know that's you don't like me taking them taking a vacation. You, you think uh, you think I should be out there working and grinding like uh, Coach Campbell wants everybody to do? Grit, grinding, doing up downs, but. Uh, I need a little bit of break, and uh, but I'm back, Sean. I'm ready. I'm ready to go full gusto at training camp. Well wow, how many days? You've no, been you seven, see- eight days now?
0: I was out there a couple, but I don't, well, I was the first two, but I don't want, and I couldn't go today because of recording because of too many podcasts, which is ridiculous. <laughs> We're supposed to be writers. In any case, uh, not that this show is ridiculous, Robin, sorry. That's not, the, that's not the intent there at all. Yes, I've been out there a couple times. By the way, of course I want you to take vacations. Oh. I want you to take a break, get your get your mind right, relax. Um, you know, it might be nice if you went someplace that was interesting from time to time, <laughs> you know, like, you know, go back home, go back to California, man. That, that'd that be a, uh, oh, that's a good idea. That'd be, I'm gonna. Be I'm putting nice. in for a vacation right
2: now to go to LA. So
0: maybe I won't be a You game. should, you, you should. No, you should, you should, you should. I think it's a thousand any degrees case, no. today in,
2: in Los Angeles. So I maybe know, maybe not. I know.
0: In any case, I'm glad you, glad you got a break. Welcome back. Um, what the, what the heck do you do? You, can you believe this? Uh, I mean, I hate to call a hype train because that's what Dan Campbell called it, but he did. He actually said it was out of control, and now uh, he's doing that for very coachy reasons, right? He he's trying to keep his players focused and all that stuff. But what do you think, man, of this? Uh, when when the Lions coach is saying, "Hey, the hype train's out of control," what are your thoughts? I love that he's so that he's that self aware, and
2: I don't i don't remember i remember looking at the transcript i don't remember if anybody followed up on it um after he but he brought that up on his own um and saying i don't want to get into it blah 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 but i think he clearly kind of didn't want to get into it um if i'd been there I definitely would have pushed him on it but i mean i think you need to i think you need to and i think some other players have talked about it i don't know if jared goff did or whoever it might have been but you have i mean come on let's not let's not pretend that this isn't happening that that they're the darlings of the nfl even goff had fun with how do we go from nine and eight we have didn't get to the playoffs and now we're one of the favorites in the nfl i think it's kind of funny um you know and he's right they haven't proved anything really they they just proved that they have potential but anything can derail potential and I I think this is, I mean, the Lions fans are forever going to be Charlie Brown, you know, wondering if Lucy's going to actually pull the ball or keep the ball there. They always hope they're going to, she's going to, you know, keep the ball there and they're going to kick it. But something always happens, it seems an injury, uh, a a weird coaching thing, uh, something happens. Um, So, and I'm not saying that as, I'm not trying to like, you know, poop on the team or anything, but just, this is the this is the story of the team since 1957, right? I mean, just like just can can they, they get a little momentum? Something happens, they fall back, they have moderate success. They just never seem to gain that traction and that keep that steady forward momentum. It's really hard for them to do that. So I think that the fans right now have reason to hope. And but I think Campbell, you know, and they they know. I mean, they're not going to tell their players don't go on your phones, don't watch TV, don't listen to reports. No, or they're, not. they're not. You're hearing it everywhere. So. Um, good. Acknowledge it. It doesn't mean anything. You know, when these guys are out, they're fighting for jobs. There's a lot of roster turnover. You know, yeah, okay, great. There's uh, maybe some of them. Maybe, maybe there might be an odd player here and there who thinks, you know, hey, I had a pretty good year last year. Uh, I wonder if I'll make the Pro Bowl this year. I got to do that. And or I'm in a contract year, whatever it might be. But it's, as a whole, the team, they don't really think that way. You know, it's just, this is who we are. This is what we need to do. This is our scheme. This is how we practice. This is what the coach wants. Uh, it's an exhausting sport, exhausting time in camp. You know they're holed up in a hotel with curfews, so I don't know if you really have enough time to really worry too much about what people are saying and how they're building you up or tearing you down. So uh, he's right. There's there's hype right now, and that's all the preseason and the training camp is right hype. Then the game start getting played
0: once they. They go to Kansas City, then we'll know a little bit more. Well, I mean, maybe for journalists it's hype, but for them, for the Lions, the preseason and camp is the difference between you know having a job or not for a lot of players. Yeah. I mean, it's very real. It's it's not hype. It's it's also for the coaches to see, you know, does this person deserve a starting job Where, wherever, right? So there, there's a lot of real decisions that get made through training camp. So it's it's really important. But yes, for us. Without benefit of real games, we're like, okay, it's it's all speculation on what the real games will look like. So that's where the hype can come in, coming off that. But let's 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 talk about this for a second. Let's let's break this down a little bit. And I'm not talking about guards that are pulling. About why there is so much because Jared Goff did say this, and by the way, Campbell was asked about it a couple more times. You know, from different right uh, on the hype stuff, which in the past he's always been happy to talk about. So it was it was interesting that he brought it up this time. It was a little different. For sure. But uh, there were several follow ups to it. It just didn't, you know, go maybe where you wanted it to go. I mean, who knows? Maybe you don't have an idea where you want it to go. You're just curious what he thinks. In, in any case, so Carlos, why do you think, to go to Goss Point, they're nine and eight, right? I mean, he's sort of kidding, but he's sort of not. Why this team? Why this season? Why all these old time fans? Going around saying they haven't been this excited for a season since at least since um, the '91 year, but 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 that year wasn't that. A, did did people know that the team was going to be you know twelve and four whatever they were that year and, and win the playoff game? And I mean, I, I was living here then. I I don't remember that that summer there anything like this. The media landscape's different, but but what is it? I mean, I have my theories, but I, I want to know what you think. Why? this season off a of 9 and 8 season. Why is it out of control? Why are the NFL talking about the Lions as if they're, you know, new to the league? I, you know it's, I mean, it's all over the country, right? Well, uh I mean there's 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 Vegas that has a lot to do
2: with it. Um you know, and I think it's part of it is they're they're in a, what you would consider a weak division this year. But I think locally you know, Michigan fans, you know, fans for in Michigan who are Lions fans, local fans. I think what they see is they've seen kind of steady progress. It hasn't had it hasn't come without its difficulties and struggles, but you've seen a lot of progress, steady progress. But more than that, it seems like there's a there's not any weird stuff going on. They're not trying to be the Patriots. They don't it's not it's not, you know, Jim Caldwell, you know, having a good year and a bad year, good year and a bad year, you know, or mediocre year, good year, but, you know, mediocre year, you know, whatever. So what's happening, I think, organizationally is you, they seem to have hit the reset button with Sheila Hamp in control, hired the right people at the top, people who, who seem to be making the right decisions. And a lot of it is Dan Campbell, you're a favorite coach of, you know, the millennium probably, but Dan Campbell uh, he's smart, he's funny, he's entertaining, he's truthful. he's, you know, he doesn't duck things. he's he's everything you would want in a coach, I would imagine, right? A former player who looks like a dude and who could still play. just everything about him loses like if you the central casting you know coach or whatever. So I think all of that works together in giving people a sense of confidence. And th- we've talked about this many times, how much people are yearning in this region for the Lions to finally win and be a consistent winner. They've waited and waited. Generations have died off. Grandfathers have been lowered into the ground and, you know, with sobbing, you know, family around them saying, oh, I wish the Lions-. my granddad had seen the Lions win, but they didn't. He didn't. So, uh, you know, there's been so many g- so, so much general disappointment in this team that whole that team is just they're 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 primed the fans are just primed to hope for something and they'll take anything that's why Jared goff i think is right because as an outsider he's like you know he's seen the rams get to the super bowl he's seen a good team you know get there and even come from not nothing great but get there and with the lions i mean they had to fire you know a coach they started one and six you know you were gonna start talking about campbell getting fired and and hot seats and that was going to happen pretty soon and suddenly they finished you know uh eight and two and and everything's hunky-dory and great and part of it is also the context of beating green bay in green bay on sending aaron Rodgers out a loser you know in lambeau field which is you know just the, the kind of salve on the 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 spirit of Lions fans that they've always hoped for. It couldn't have ended better for them, you know, for Aaron rodgers's tenure. So all these little things, I think it makes people feel good. It's little, all these little victories and steps in the right direction. Um, and I think that that's warranted. I don't blame them for feeling so optimistic. I fully expect them to win the division uh, barring some weird thing happening with terrible luck with injuries or whatever. But, you know they should they should feel encouraged, and now the Lions have to manage
0: those expectations and, and make something of them. Yeah, no, it, it's funny you mentioned the Green Big Green Bay game because you think about what it would feel like right now if they'd lost that game. People would still be hopeful, right? Then oh, they yeah. would have finished. Uh, they would have finished seven and three, which is still respectable. Um, it would not have been a winning record, right? It would have been eight and nine instead of nine and eight, and that feels there's a tiny bit of psychology with that. People would still be hopeful. I don't know that would quite be where we're at though with all this if they had not won that game. And I think part of it, to your point, yes, is Green Bay at Lambeau for sure. It was also the kind of game that unfolded. It was a it was a really kind of physical late season game that felt a little bit like a playoff game. Let's yep. just be real. Absolutely gutsy. Great game. It, it 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 did. And the way they won that game against, you know, that team, that quarterback, okay, maybe not the best Packers team in the last ten years, but still they were a playoff. Type team. Um, so to win the game the way they did on the road at the end of the year under the lights to get flexed in the schedule like that, where they sort of had the stage themselves, that also made it, I think, for a lot of fans feel sort of like a playoff game. I, I, I just think that, that carried over. Absolutely. Like you said, I think there's hope. Hope if they lose 20 to 16 instead of win, I don't know what the final score was that, that night, but it was somewhere around there. If they lose by three or four instead of win by three or four, there's still momentum, right? For sure, but that took it to some other place. They I, and I, I'll say this: um, you know,
2: if you're uh, if you're a Lions fan, I would hope. Uh, unfortunately, most people didn't. But if you're a Lions fan, I, a longtime Lions fan, you deserved to be at that game because it was a playoff atmosphere. The way that they sent those Packers fans, you know. Not quite sobbing out of Lambo, but but certainly sad, knowing what that meant. That Aaron Rodgers is probably gone. I mean, every year, who knows? Aaron Rodgers always rattles the saber. Had always rattled the saber, but to see them to to deal your your hated foe that kind of a loss, you know, at home in the prime time season finale, um, and the way that the Lions um, fans stuck around and it was this joyous atmosphere. of the people who went up there. In the locker room, you know, it was a very happy. It felt like they'd won a big game, you know, like a playoff game. I don't know what a winning playoff game must feel like for Lions, but it kind of felt like that, like a big, big deal. Um, so I, I would wish that, you know, if I could let every Lions fan experience that, because that was that, and I understood from that from that time. I mean, it really felt like this is. Extrapolating, this is what fans have been waiting for. And I can just imagine watching that game at home. If you're a Lions fan, how, how uh, soothing and comforting and feel, you know, it just makes you feel so good. And now and we talk about this every year. It's like, you know, the players say it, the coaches say it. The one season does not always have that much to do with the next season. It, it does to some extent, as far as the, the team you keep. And they've talked about even this year in training camp, they've already talked about. I think with Jared Goff, like now it's tweaks. We, we know the offense, we know the base, we know the installations, all these things. Like now we can start off from a, from a more advanced place um, uh, than terminology and verbiage and all this other stuff. So that gives them a little bit of an advantage and that's nice. Um, but yeah, well, just because you finish strong doesn't mean you're going to start strong, you know, unless you're some whatever great Super Bowl, you know, either the Bengals or the or the, the, uh, the the Chiefs or whatever. So they still have a lot to prove. And I think that's what Jerry Goff ta- is talking about. It's, he doesn't want people to think his teammates, whatever, like just because we finish strong, we're going to start strong. You know, every every season brings its own unique challenges. Um, but you know, it's good to have. It's better to have those expectations than not to have them. So, uh, and I think that's you know, let's let's be honest. I mean, the Lions are certainly capitalizing on. I'm sure they're selling more season tickets. they they you know, their branding, their their media, whatever it is, their their PR stuff. You know, their merchandise. You know, they can they can charge more. They can have a bigger, a packed stadium. All that um, encourage that atmosphere. Uh, so that's all part of it. You know, it's it's and they deserve to do that. It it makes sense, but. Uh, we're going to see. We're going to see how, for the first time in a long time, big, big, how this team measures up to
0: big expectations. No question. It's funny you were talking about golf with that. I, I thought about writing about that the other day when I was at the, the training camp in Allen Park, um, but then their new receiver, Denzel Mims, <laughs> spoke for the first time. And so I just decided to kind of go with the news of the day and figure, you know, because in training camp there are going to be a lot of opportunities to do. There's some evergreen stuff, as we would say, inside the business. But one thing Mims did say was ask about Campbell, and he said, "Oh my God, he's huge, man! I didn't expect him to be that big. <laughs> to be that big, big right? Kind of, yeah, right. So, but just the way he talked about Campbell, you know, you just you could see this." I don't want to call it a reverence yet, but you can you can see it. We've heard it from enough places now that you can you can kind of you get in the sense that it's really the, the players generally like him. And he's still going to have to win when it gets down to it. Or whatever. none of that will matter. But um, getting back to your 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 thoughts on why and the green the Green Bay, yes. But I also think again, and you may have mentioned this a little bit, but. I love the idea of the steady, slow progress, and that the fans have seen that in a way that maybe they haven't in a while. So that's that's one too. And I know you love to, to dismiss this and poke fun at this, but but most football fans understand that it's hard to really, really win without uh, players at the line of scrimmage, preferably on on both sides. And um and there's a sense that this team is is building towards something. The offensive lines maybe a little further ahead than the defensive line, but and I think there's especially with the offensive line, there's an idea that there's there's an association of longevity with that. So if you can get that in place, then you know you can be reasonably com- at least competitive while you kind of build out around it. So I think that's part of it. And then the other thing, the one thing you didn't mention, but I know you know I've talked about this is Brad Holmes. So it's not just the coach. Or the progress in the linear, the Green Bay win, all that, the, the building from the inside out, which feels like more foundational. But Holmes is we'll see what happens, but he's got he's starting to develop a little bit of a track record of being able to identify talent. And that's been one of the biggest criticisms and most most frustrating things for this fan base for years. Is can you string a couple of drafts together? Yeah. And, well, um well, that's and, what I mean. And they hopefully can, right? I meant that. I mean, as, you know, getting the right people at the top,
2: Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell, for sure. You know, that's not, we're not going to, it's not Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia. We're going to build the Patriots, you know, or do the Patriots. And uh, you know, so yeah, that's part, that's a lot of it. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. You know, it's Brad Brad Holmes is, is as big a part of this as, as anything, you know, Dan Campbell is the media star, you know, to us, but you know, both those guys work in lockstep and it's, it's worked. It has shown a lot of promise. Um, but as Jericho still says, nine and eight. You are a nine and eight team, so all that has yeah, and no, you know what? Sure. And I got a I got a lot of poop on this one. I when they when they won three games or whatever, three and a half games, you know, a couple of years ago, I was like, listen, even though they didn't win a lot, they showed some progress. They were they didn't get blown did. out very often and people wait, like. Oh, Would you just, say, what'd you say? Wait, wait, wait. What'd you say? You got a lot of poop? A lot of poop on that. Yeah. I people poop. Poo. Poo, poo. You or can poop. choose your epithet, Sean. One of the two, whichever one. Okay. I don't like to use potty mouth language on this podcast, but uh, yeah, people, people were were giving me guff about, uh, not guff, but guff about this because, and I was like, listen, you got to appreciate this season for what it is. It's a new team, new coach, new general manager, first time, blah blah blah. You know, you got to just see some progress, and even the second year, like, let's just see some more progress. But this should not be. I did not think they would make a playoff last year. Let's just see what happens. And I was even more impressed that the plane was going into the side of the mountain. And, you know, Campbell especially, you know, took control of the rudder and boom, you know, saved it. And not only that, but he uh, he stuck the landing too and should have gotten in the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that's all. Those are all signs. Now, the next sign is get to the playoffs. And I think you wrote about that. You know, the bar is kind of low. It's just, let's just... Can this be the first team to get to the playoffs in a while for any of the Detroit teams? Um, there would be, I'm sure, expectations for them to do more than just get to the playoffs. But I think if they just get to the playoffs, if they win, if they win the division, that would be huge. Um, but yeah, they've they that's such a that's the expectation for this team. And I think anything short of even if they, win, they just get in as a wild card, that would be a disappointment. But if they just get to the playoffs. You know, I think that would be go a long way, but it'd be interesting, wouldn't it? I mean, if they're fighting for the division, if what if they win the division but they lose the playoff game? That that will be that would be a fascinating story. No, that
0: yeah, that'll that'll that will sting fans because they will have had four months to get used to the idea that it's a pretty good team, right? And uh, and then you get your hopes up even more at that point. But but again, not again, sorry. But you were talking about the three wins in the first year and the, the poop that you got. And I remember getting the same thing because you and I were in lockstep in, in during that period that they were actually better, that they were, they looked better week to week, even though it wasn't showing up. And then finally they won a couple late or whatever. But, and I remember writing very similar things. And it's funny you mentioned that because I was walking off the field with Dave Burkett, the great Dave Burkett, who covers the Lions Force, who, who, who we are going to get in here soon in this, in this pod, podcast space. And we were walking off the, the practice field a couple of days ago and talking about the potential of this team and talking about Campbell and what kind of coach he really is. And I said, the thing that sticks with me, and I told him what you just said, what you just said to me, the thing that that has always stuck with me is how hard that team played at the end of a two and whatever they were, you know, 13, 14, you know what I mean? The way they were competing with that record, that just stuck with me. And I remember you and I, even probably talking about it at the time, that, 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 you know, you don't know for sure, but you're like, there might be a little something there. And and Dave told me a story about somebody he talked to who was very, you know, not well-known, but plugged into the NFL, you know, into the NFL, works for the NFL in their capacity, and knows about a lot of things, and, and told him when Dan Campbell was hired that, okay, this guy's either going to be a huge flame out, and it's not going to work at all, and it'll be fairly apparent quickly, or he's going to change the culture and how you think about the Lions, and it's not going to be either. It's not going to be in between. He's either going to be like a coach that gets remembered in that region for a long time, or he's going to be awful. <laughs> and it's probably still too soon to say. But uh, I thought that was
2: interesting. Dan Campbell will be, I think, already he's going to be remembered in a very positive light, unless something significant happens that derails that narrative, you know, I think there's... Sometimes you can just feel it, I think, with the coach. When you've been around enough coaches, that there's this kind of... um, I don't know what you'd call it, like this underpinning to who they are, how they approach things. And I think with Dan Campbell, there's no question in my mind, he will... He will be the first Lions coach in a really long time to get another head coaching job, even if it doesn't work out in Detroit, because I think he presents himself so well. And there's no weirdness, no weird, I'm, uh, I'm tied to this, you know, philosophy or way of doing things or, you know, a lot of, I don't know why, it's a lot of NFL coaches are like that. Like, it's got to be this way, this system, and you know, whatever, um, and he's not like that. And I think that's that's his saving grace is how I think, and I think we, honestly, Sean, I think the media appreciates this more than the players do. I mean, the players come in and Let's be honest, they go through so many coaches, you know, this coach, that coach, this team, whatever, free agent tryout, blah, blah, blah. This, you know, uh, you know, it's like, hey, they see the coach in a certain way of how are you coaching me as my as a player, as a linebacker, as a quarterback, as a safety, whatever. How how what's my interaction with you? And a lot of times, these guys, most of their interaction is with their position coach, maybe other than the quarterback, but you know, that's really their coach. And Campbell's kind of the overseer of the whole thing, you know, but But to us, Campbell is the Lions. We see him all the time, almost every day, you know, training camp, almost every single day he talks. And we appreciate all the nuance, all the different things he has to navigate organizationally, you know, from top to bottom. Um, And I think we also, you know, uh, veteran sports writers who bounced around and seen a lot of different coaches in a lot of different sports, we really appreciate the difference that Campbell brings. And that there's this just... uh, way about him that that he's accepting of of his failings of his shortcomings um you know he accepts also his successes he deals with he 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 deals with us very well he seems to be fair to the players and and to the staff um you know, and you hear this. You hear this about you know. We talk to the media, the, the PR people too, and you, you know from different teams. And you hear, I don't. You know, the coach is a little bit standoffish,
0: or he's yeah. Paranoid. You know, what, you know when they like a coach, they let us know when they like their coach Absolutely. and when they don't.
2: Absolutely, they do. and you've never heard about. I don't think people are like you know to, to the listener out there. Uh, people aren't in love with Dan Campbell. The organization, from from my understanding. The PR people, the 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 players, all this, they're not in love with Dan Campbell. They appreciate him. They like him. But I think it's the media that really sees that holistic picture in a different way. And we really appreciate him in a different way. Um, and I think he's going to... But I think we kind of have the perspective of ownership in some way, of how do you navigate? How do you guide this organization? And, and Brad Holmes gets a lot of credit for this too, but we don't interact with him as much. But Dan Campbell really really knows how to you know manage up manage laterally and manage down and he he's so good at it i think that i i would expect him to have success with the lions but even if it doesn't come he it, it doesn't quite have his you know, great success as you would think he would or should, you know, winning several playoff games, getting in, you know, conference championships, all that kind of stuff. If that doesn't happen, I think he's going to get hired in a second, you know, in a hot minute, he'll get hired by another team because he's proved already in three years that he knows how to guide a team, how to guide a, a, a team, not only, well, a team that struggled and how to get the most out of them, and now it's gonna we're gonna see does he know how to guide a winning team, a team with expectations? That's the next step for Dan Campbell. But I think there's just a thing about him that's really it's hard to really define it exactly. But he has that presence about him, and it's not an imperious thing. It's a it's just no, this not at all. Kind of humanness to him, which <laughs> um, it belies everything you when you see him and the way he talks and everything. Like you think, oh, he's gonna be a dude, just a a meathead. Nope opposite complete opposite
0: no and, fa- and fans pick up on that it's funny how i was talking to a, a sister-in-law actually the other day and she was like i just i'm, I'm in love with him she's not even a football fan <laughs> but there, there's something about and I, I i hear that over and over and over now there's some i know there's some diehard fans i'm sure that don't like the way he manages at the end of the game or the clock manager or whatever you know you could they can nitpick but but for a lot of people out there, especially casual Lions fans who are sort of start getting, you know, coming coming back in, around because of what happened at the end of the year, and see him speak or listen to him speak, he to your point, he's got something that, that people relate to. It's why his players like them yeah. play for him, but but that comes through on the camera or if you hear him on a you know on the radio. He's just um, he's he's got that quality. He just does. And this to me, this region and this fan base is just ready to embrace him like they haven't embraced the, co- embraced the coach in a long, long time. If they can take the next step, right? Mm-hmm. They're so ready to wrap their arms completely around him. Absolutely, you can f- you can feel it. You can feel it. They're, they're not quite there because they want to. You know, there's too much. P- they're 60 years of PTSD, right? So they're not quite there. But you can you can feel that. I'm with you, man. It's it should be. It should be interesting and fun. He just. He's just got that um, ability to relate to all kind of all kinds of people, and and he's authentic and he's himself, and he's not afraid. Uh, you know, I, real quickly, I remember when they. I was in Carolina when they lost to Carolina, and I remember after the game, you know, he talked about some technical stuff and not fitting the gaps because they gave him 300 yards, and he got into some football talk. But really, his point of that whole news conference was. We I didn't have them ready because at that point they had won four in a row, five in a row, I can't remember, right? They had started winning. And he felt like he let up or didn't understand Nate, that there was something, a lesson he had to learn about expectations. That was the first time, you know, people were thinking of playoffs, remember? And expectation. And I remember the way he talked after that game was, I'm gotta figure that out. This is a different football team than I was coaching six weeks ago. And I have to, and I had to, he had to learn. That. And he was very open about it, about how he had not done it. And I I think that's endearing too.
2: That And that is part of it, you know, is the, the way he's, he's uh, owned his mistakes and owned his, his, uh, his, you know, his struggles or his, his lack of preparation. And I think that probably goes back to him as a player, you know, having, he, he was of, you know, he had moderate potential as a player, as an NFL player, and he had to make the most of it. And part of it, a lot of the reason he had a fairly long career was, you know, learning what could make him successful, learning what his shortcomings were, accepting them, learning from his mistakes and getting better and gaining people's trust, coaches' trust, um, And as a coach, that's what you got to do too, is you got to gain everybody's trust. You got to, people got to believe in you. They got to, you got to, you got to lead and they got to follow. And that's what I I remember your, your other second favorite coach, uh, Derek Lalonde. um, He, uh, he talked about, I think last year, maybe it was where he said, he thought, you know, Hey, I'd like to get, you know, coach Campbell in here, you know, and he knows that Campbell has some kind of secret sauce going over there. He And I coaches, you know, you know, uh, they they understand you know they relate like what's going on over there like they they were they were headed to you know a huge you know terrible uh uh pr- problem with that start and somehow he pulled it out and got better that's that's magic man to be able to do something like that keep it all together without with and the way he did it in the most human of ways you know not throwing Aubrey Pleasant under the bus not you know, it's, it's you people, if they don't, if you don't stand up, you're gone and blah, blah, blah. And This is the NFL. Well, you know, like, as like a hated to do it, I didn't want to do it, but I had to do it. And, you know, you, you believed him, you know, you believed that, that he didn't want to do it. And he probably waited longer to do it than he should have, but he finally did it. And the same thing with Anthony Lynn, you know, I mean, the two major catastrophic problems in the coaching ranks back to back years and now, you're going, so two guys he really liked. Two right? guys he really liked, really respected. Um, you know, frankly, Aubrey Pleasant, everybody liked him too. And you know, in the media, like he, I, I thought that guy was like, man, this guy has head coaching potential or coordinator potential. Or, you know, written the way he, you know, thinks about players, talks about players, talks about the game, talks to us, you know, whatever. Um, so that's the to me. If you can negotiate that in, in a successful way, not only that you're winning, but that you handle it well, you avoid drama and, and turmoil and what's going on with this team and this organization. Oh my God, it's the Lions S.O.L. again. And, you know, he, to, to pull this team out of that dark, potentially dark space, you know, was so impressive. Um, can't remember last time I've seen something like that happen. So, uh, that's the kind of thing. And, you know, when it all ends, I mean, hey, it's, it's the Herm Edwards used to say, we all rent the whistle. You know, one day, you know, Campbell's not going to be the head coach of the Lions for some reason, and uh, you know, I'm sure whoever it is, some owner from another team's going to call Sheila Tamp and ask her, and she's going to be like, "Yep, he was great. You know, this is the guy you want. Just didn't work out after a while. Whatever, blah blah blah." But he's the guy. He'll get another. He'll get another head coaching
0: job. No, I, I agree with you. And I mean, because at some point, you, you still have to have talent, right? You have to have talent. Oh, I mean,
2: yeah. well, everybody has talent to,
0: in the NFL. I mean, in the NFL, it's not quite disparities you see in some of the other uh, pro leagues, but no, for sure, some some coaches just have that have that thing. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of Izzo. You know, think how does yeah. a sixty-seven? How does a sixty-seven-year-old dude from the UP get on with eighteen-year-old uh, an eighteen-year-old from Gary, Indiana, or whatever? You know, it's just right, but Absolutely. he does. He he does, and he'll have teams that'll struggle, struggle, struggle. All of a sudden, they'll find their way, and they're in the Sweet Sixteen, or the Elite Eight, or the Final Four, or whatever. It's it's very similar to that, you know. Yes, and it's just it's just um, it's it's rare. You know, there are a lot of good coaches out there. I think all four coaches in the in Detroit right now are. I mean, my Williams, is statistically by his resume, objectively, a good coach. mm-hmm uh, we don't know about L- Lalonde, whose name I butcher every time I say it. That's we why you don't, you don't work for the for the Detroit media. <laughs> I know. I I, I <laughs> like his I like his uh, he, vibe. Uh, you know, uh, for lack of a better word. But um, I got it on the Denzel Mims kept talking about vibes, so I got that on my mind. <laughs> um, um, and you know, AJ Hinch just won a World Series, right? You know, so, so they're, so they're good, good coaches in town, but I don't know that any of them have the combination as long as the winning comes, if the winning comes. I'm not sure any of them have the combo to connect and win like Camel. We'll see. He does. He definitely has that presence
2: about him and that personality that's very just endearing um, to the media, especially, I think. Um, you know, but he he definitely has something different about him that
0: that you sense has a lot of potential. But it does, yeah, and that's the win. win right now. He's right? got to win. He, he does. That's it. They got to win. That's that's the business. All right. We. Uh, I thought this was going to be the shorter segment. This may end up being the longer segment. We need a guest. We need to just keep a guest for the whole show to keep us in check. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> we'll have Tony, Tony for a double segment. Last, yeah, time. yeah, yeah. But uh, well, let's take one quick, one last quick break and come back with a favorite thing to wrap the show up. Sound good? Perfect. All right, we'll be right back with more free press. Carlson, Sean. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlson, Sean. We need to wrap this show up, Carlson, and get folks, get folks uh, out of here. Get you out of here. You need some sleep. You drove across the country. You need some rest. I I drove across several continents for you,
2: Sean, just to be here on time. As you, Thank you. As you would expect Thank me. You. So. Yes. Yeah. Well, my, my favorite thing um, was... Uh, that our longtime former colleague, John Lowe, was a uh, longtime Tigers beat writer for the Free Press, was inducted into the uh, Hall of Fame, Baseball Hall of Fame um, in the media wing uh, for, uh, his, uh, for his contributions to covering the sport for so many years so well um john was a great student of the game um with great great historical perspective on everything he wrote uh, but more than that you know the thing i remember working with john um when i'd go to cover a game or write a sidebar or whatever um was just how he's just a really uh pleasant giving person and he in the free press i think it was on sunday i believe over the weekend uh, when he was inducted, we ran testimonials from former colleagues, uh, editors, writers, alumni from the Free Press, and uh, our our good buddy John Paul Morosi, um, uh, who worked with John for a while, and now he works for MLB and NHL. Um, another wonderful human, as as good a person as you'll find in media. Um, uh, had a had a fun. Um, testimonial where he talked about that he didn't go to school at Michigan. Um, as he said, he went to school in the greater Boston area <laughs> because he went through such, to such pains to avoid saying he went to Harvard, but uh, he didn't go to Michigan, but his girlfriend and, and who turned out to be his wife <laughs> now, and they have, they've been married forever and have kids, um, but she went to Michigan. So when he'd go visit her, um, he had a friend, I think who wrote for the Michigan Daily. And so he would go there and John would work with, uh, the daily, um, writers, the students at Michigan. Um, I think where it was one day a week, he'd go and stop and, and there was always this sort of, um, generous spirit about John that way. He, I think he would always talk to young writers and young journalists and was always giving. Um, and I remember having conversations with him either when I was an editor. Um, and I remember one of the fun things, one of the fun things when I started covering golf, uh, I forget if he talked about it or he sent me an email or something. He liked something I wrote, and and he said, "Well, as I always say, the smaller the ball, the better the writing." So uh, I always appreciated his sense of humor and uh, commiserating with him. And it was always fun to be in the press box. and And John was he'd been around for so long and um, knew so many people. Uh, he always did a good job of being in the press box, and he'd grab somebody. Some some I, one time I remember like. I'm sitting there writing my story, you know, before the game starts and writing a notebook, whatever. I look over, John sitting next to me, and to the other side of John is Jim Palmer, who's doing radio for the Orioles, whatever it was. And just, you know, he's John Lowe. Of course, he's going to talk to Jim Palmer, just get him to chat, come over to Press Row and talk for a few minutes about some historic thing or whatever it was. Um, so it was always fun to read John's um, stories, his accounts of the game, his historical perspective, but also the people he could he could get to talk to him was certainly impressive, um, and I always, I, I've always loved baseball writing. Um, John did it as well as anybody for a really long time. So, congratulations um, to John Lowe. As, as as his favorite catchphrase was "outstanding." He'd always say "outstanding" <laughs> as, as an affirmative. So, an outstanding achievement for an outstanding reporter for an outstanding career.
0: So, congratulations, John. Well, I'll definitely second that. He uh, led the way for a long time and a lot of taught a lot of folks how to conduct themselves and and showed that you didn't have to get too stressed out either. Calming presence. He was was fairly calm. And I I did occasionally see him get worked up on, but that's relative. That's relative. You know, it wasn't uh, flying around and cussing out and all that. (laughs) So uh, that was was always nice to see. Um, My favorite thing is just the idea of uh, perspective. You know what I mean? Uh, Relativity. Maybe not Einstein's relativity. That's way you know that that's your that's your level of smart, not mine. But uh, after spending almost a week in 115, 116, 117, I think one nineteen or one eighteen was the highest. Uh, and those kind of temperatures out in the desert for the NBA summer league, and get back and it's warming up to the day we're recording. It's it warmed up. I don't know what the temperature was. It's probably pushing nineties. Supposed to be nineties here. Right, for really the first time this summer we might have dipped up. But uh normally when it gets to this time of the summer you get up in the nineties, it's not all that pleasant, but it, it feels like nothing, Carlos. I'm like, I can handle this, even with the humidity difference between the desert, you know, the whole dry heat thing. So yeah, the perspective. All of a sudden ninety doesn't feel too bad. And uh here I am doing a lovely podcast with you. We had a we had a pre uh pre show disagreement. We we uh we just go on the air and everything's all good. That's also, you know, perspective, because that's what you do, right? And if I, and if we were doing this in the studio, which we are going to at some point, I hope, right? I would uh, I'd give you a hug. Aw. With no mask. <laughs> I would too, Sean. I appreciate that. Yeah, it would be. Uh,
2: I think it explains our disagreement. I think you had some heat built sickness or something. I mean, I I grew up in LA, you know, in the Badlands, and the I mean, hundred degree every day in the summer, so it was not a problem. I I'm used to that, but I know you're not. You're a Midwesterner, so you get it. Uh, it's a little hard. I was in L- I,
0: I was in LA last week for a few hours, and it was seventy four degrees. So in LA, seventy four. Yeah, it was seventy four, maybe seventy five. It was nice. It was cool, but that was. But LAX is almost at the water too. So yeah, being in your hotel room or in the hotel pool doesn't count, by the way. No, I wasn't there, but you were. I was just at the airport, but you were in inland a little bit. And as you know, I mean, Christ, the other excuse the language. (laughs) The the uh, further inland you go in California, the more you're like getting into Vegas, Phoenix temperatures. That's right you know, Palm Springs is, uh, yeah. Yeah. Not that, not that you lived in Palm Springs. I lived lived in
2: Riverside. I went to school in Riverside
0: for a while. That's, that's darn near Palm Springs. It's not far. I flew right over Riverside. And the only reason I know that is, you know, when you take off in LAX you go out, you almost always take off to the West and you loop out over the Pacific and then come back and you're a pretty decent elevation when you come back because of traffic patterns. Anyway, that area is so big that LA County, then just everything else. And at one point, it's just going, it goes on and on and on. I looked down, I, thought, I looked at the map of the sea. And I thought, I wonder what bird this is. I wonder if this is where Carlos grew up. I was actually literally thinking that. And it said Riverside. And I said, oh, okay, I've, I've been there before. But <laughs> but it was kind of interesting to see it. Yeah. Because not too far beyond Riverside was the desert. Yes. Yeah. You don't have to go very far in, in Southern
2: California to be outside of, uh, you know, Orange County and LA and the, the nice spots. And then you're, you're in, the, I mean, it's all semi air desert. It's really hot. So, but I'm glad, I'm glad you, you, you overcame your heat exhaustion and, uh, you know, gained some perspective and it's like, it's, well, no,
0: yeah, no, it's, you know, maybe we don't want to go quite that far, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice story that you can tell yourself, but I, I respect your right to to tell your own stories to yourself. You know what I mean. It's it's what keeps you. Uh, <laughs> all of us, we all do it, right? So it keeps you uh, from from you know that's going right. insane. So that's yeah, right. That's that's the way it goes. All right, man. Let's let's wrap this up and um and get out of here until we uh. Well, let's do we do we need to thank anybody? Well, we well, want to thank Robin. We have to do thank have Robin. To th-
2: Poor Robin thank- Chan,
0: our, our amazing producer, had to.
2: Had to listen to our uh, going back and forth about uh, our pregame, our pregame huddle chat. Uh, we we couldn't do, literally could not do this without you, Robin. Um, you should put in for uh, for combat pay or something hazard pay for this week. Um, but uh, the person who's going to make that, the people going to make that possible, are Kirk and Crawford and Angela Delgado, our executive producers. And uh, the person who's going to make all that possible, too, if she ever hears about it, we all might get uh, chastised or whatever, is uh, our editor of the Free Press, Nicole Avery Nichols. But
0: Sean, the most important person, as always, every week, is who? The listener, always. It's always about the listener. And our listeners are smart. And um, I'm, just, you know, I, I'm just pointing that out. I love They're our smart, listeners. Just, just like our readers are smart. Yeah, the listener's smart. Sometimes he emails us. He's clearly smart. <laughs> Um. Uh, in any case, yeah. No, we want to thank uh, thank them, thank y'all, thank you. Let's let's get all this uh, phrasing right here. And uh, obviously, you can find us wherever you find your favorite podcast: Spotify, Apple. Rate us when you get there. Subscribe, please. Um, leave us whatever kind of comment you'd like. That would be great. We're trying to hit uh, what ten listeners, I think. So if we could if we <laughs> get that, we we'll get we we'll get a bonus Double from a promo- Yeah. Rahul will get a promotion, and um, and everything will be great. All right, Carlos, until next week uh, when we're back with more Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean, I bid you farewell, my friend.